Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Hmm. The third in the Fantastic Beasts series. Uh, so we previously covered The Crimes of Grindelwald in 2018. And the first film was out before we started in the podcast. Hmm. This is the kind of universe uh, built out of, out of Harry Potter. Um, so J.K. Rowling extended the Harry Potter world in these books and now these films to take in America, a different wizarding culture, a political wizarding world. It might be instructive to think about the last film because we we went back and listened to the previous podcast and so much of what we talked about on that previous podcast I think comes up again here. Mm. One of those things being that the overall goal that everyone has, which is essentially to stop Grindelwald who wants to take over the wizarding world and start a war with muggles, non-wizarding folk, it's quite clear, but all of the details are vague, stupid, not thought through. I mean, the first hour of this film, essentially, maybe more than an hour, ends with all the characters, all of our heroes, meeting up in Hogwarts and basically literally saying, we've achieved nothing at this point except things have got a bit worse. A huge waste of time that had no particular goal, no aim. It's just wasted time. It's bizarre. I think it's very bad storytelling, Mm -hmm. you know, because there is a lack of clarity. It could all be efficient. There's a lot of space devoted to moralizing Mm -hmm. or editorializing on character and things, usually with a smug attitude towards it if they're the good guys, right? I mean, I think that was indicative of the ending as well. Like, it didn't end, it didn't end. You thought, well, this is going to end. Like, it should have ended, right? Mm -hmm. And really, you know, it's not ending because you just want editorializing you know, platitudes on, you know, <laughs> the people, really, uh, which the audience does not need. I, I, I really don't know why, why they've put that there. But but actually, that's a characteristic in the film as a whole. Mm. You know. Who's the muggle? What's his name? Um, Kowalski. Kowalski, right? So much is devoted to what a good heart he is, what a good person he is, you know, why he's... Blah, blah, blah. Mm. Like, you know that. You've, you know, you've seen the other films, and actually, you don't need to know that anyway, really. Like... You know, so so all of that is just like completely unnecessary. And I think the film is stupid in the sense that, you know, the obvious pleasures, there's two things that the film, I think, has to get right. Mm-hmm. Right. One is a world that uh, uh, connects to Hogwarts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because everybody remembers all of that with pleasure. It's the world of wizardry and mm-hmm. the, the fantastic things that could be done with it. Right. You know. Uh, and the other one is the Fantastic Beasts. Uh, you want to see these beasts mm-hmm. doing fantastic things or being fantastic. And actually, there's very little of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I thought at least as a sop to the audience, uh, when they go into Hogwarts, there would have been some sweeping camera into Hogwarts so you can <laughs> remember what it's like. Or there might have been a game of Kidditch being played. Or yeah, yeah. just well, the, hear the theme. You know? Yeah, something, right? Uh, but no, right? So, so I just think it's stupid not to have taken those things on board, particularly when it's replaced with, you know, the most stupid things. I mean, that whole thing where Newt goes to save his brother and he's got to dance with a crab, lobster, whatever they are. Didn't mind that. Oh, I thought it was just... Didn't like, mind that. That's one of the few things in the film that I felt had any charm. When he goes into that crabby stance and oh, starts waddling from side to side. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit of fun. 
It's a little bit of fun and it's played for a laugh and I really didn't mind it. Well, so much of the rest of the film is so self-serious and dark. I mean, visually dark. Not just, you know, dark in terms of fates and plots and all that kind of stuff. Visually dull to look at. At least those crabs were bright red, you know? Not, not bright enough. I no, mean, I know. But you I, know, I think, I think it was an interesting idea, but again, as the execution was so bad. I didn't find it funny and I didn't find it charming. I mean, I could see that the film was aiming for that, mm. but it certainly didn't succeed with me, really. No, no. Um, so I thought, you know, there was a real problem. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the whole kind of Nazi thing as well, like... Yeah, Grindelwald's people. I mean, well, they're all German, and like, it really couldn't be more obvious. They're all German, and they're there to take over the world, and his people are literally dressed as the Gestapo. I know. Which, again, I think it's it's a mistake. I mean, I don't have a problem with them borrowing Nazi imagery, right? Um but I would have liked them to have done something more imaginative with it and not restricted so much to Germany, really. I think that's almost offensive, really. I'd be curious to know what people in Germany think. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm trying to think. The only thing that I liked about it was there's an overall thread of um, Dumbledore and... His brother. No, Matt Mickelson. Oh, excuse me, and Grindelwald. And Grindelwald having a blood tie that they can't act against each other because when they were young, they were lovers and madly in love with each other and they made this blood pact. So actually, I think that, you know, for, for a film like this, to begin with the recounting of this love story between two men and, you know, mm. kind of what led to it, I really like that. Though I understand it's been cut for China. <laughs> so, uh, but actually, I think the film is almost scared of it because really... There is a kind of a tragedy that underlies this film, really, which is about, you know, this relationship that's over. You know, one can't act against it. That's really paralyzing people. And that finally an act of conscience mm. breaks through, right? Uh, so I think something really quite marvelous could have been done with that, actually. It also has more than a hint of the trope of the sad, lonely gay man pining. Yes. You know, so um, clearly the love that Dumbledore had, or had at least for Grindelwald, um, is very real and very, very keenly felt. And he feels the loss of Grindelwald, but he doesn't then, you know, go make other connections or seek to. And it ends with this thing, so this is kind of a spoiler because it's the last scene of the film, but it's after the climax. Eventually you've got uh, Kowalski, the muggle. And uh, Queenie, who's magic, uh, getting married. And it's this happy scene to end the thing with. And everyone's there having a lovely time. And Dumbledore doesn't go in. He sits outside. He walks off into the snow on his own. He doesn't join the party. And it's like there's no, no reason for him to walk, to walk off on his own. But there's this atmosphere of his deliberate loneliness. Mm. That I don't happens. mind that. You're kind of, you know, he's, he's older than the others. And, you know, <laughs> uh, he's got, you know other responsibility well, and he's lost something right like you yeah know, so so Still, I, mean, I, I think I, it has that i take your point yeah right uh but 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 i didn't mind that he, he his his the loss of his love essentially he responds to with this stoicness this um refusal is it no it's not it's not shown as refusal because it's not shown as like there are other options for him that he rejects but that 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 a romantic uh kind of dimension no longer exist in his life is, I think, part of that trope. Well, I think you see him alone and, you know, but um, 
don't know, people go speak to him outside, right? So mm. he is loved in a way. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I didn't mind that. I mean, what I minded was it's very bad storytelling. The action was very badly filmed. Mm. Again, I thought the thing with the crabs, you know, when you have the other monsters eating stuff, I mean... That should have been more exciting. It should than all it have was. been executed better. And yeah. in fact, that goes to the previous podcast. What your exact criticism? One uh-huh. of them was: I like the conceptualization. I don't like the execution. Mm. The ideas aren't bad. No. The ideas aren't bad, but they're not very well done. Again, this is David Yates directing, who directed the previous one. Mm. I, I think the one before that, and several Harry Potter films. Mm. And it's just he's the kind of. On the last podcast, I referred to him as a yes man, and that's not knowing anything about him, but it comes across as a yes man type of director. Where it's just getting the plot filmed, essentially, mm. with not enough creativity or visual beauty. There are, it has its moments. The last film had its moments too, and we talked about them, but they are only moments. Well, they're moments, and they're moments that the film doesn't build up on. Because mm. one of the things that I really like very much is, again, what's it, Kowalski? Kowalski. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love that character. I love the actor playing him. And, mm. you know, he was very charming when you first saw him, right? Uh, and you'd think that they would build on that because actually that was almost like a little star moment, something somebody making something of that part. Yeah. Yeah, in a way that was really audience pleasing. They throw it away in this film. They don't they don't really give him any of those moments, right? Um mm. or actually they 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 kind of do, but they don't work. They give him quite a lot to do. Yeah. And he has a fairly important role in the story. I mean he's an important part of that gang. Put it that way. Mm. Um and actually I think he probably had less to do in the previous film and I wanted more of him. He mm. is fun to, pl- to, to see and he is charming and some of the comedy he gets to play is quite broad but I don't mind it no I don't mind about comedy but I think it doesn't pay off like you know there was an effervescence and you know in the in the last film and also he made you laugh and so on whereas this you could see the actor's just as good you know but actually what he's given to do and how it's filmed and the timing of it all is really the film's fault you mm. know and they waste him uh, I did like I love Jude Law, and actually I love Jude Law with Mitz Mackelson. I think they're very good together. Matt Mickelson. Matt Mickelson. Mitz Mackelson. I like Jude Law an awful lot, and we liked him in the previous one. Um, and he does have that avuncular, knowledgeable, wise mm. thing going on. What, what was happening with his accent in this, I don't understand, and I don't remember it being a problem before, where he basically speaks like Jude Law, except his R's. He does this with his R's. And I can't understand why, and... It makes me think that maybe he's trying to imitate Richard Harris and uh. or Michael Gambon, who played Dumbledore mm. you know, in the Harry Potter films as an, as an old man, because obviously he's playing the young version. But I don't remember them speaking like that, and, and I don't remember Jude Law having spoken like that before. Mm. It, it doesn't seem to make much sense. It's a weird decision. I wouldn't mind him just speaking like Jude Law. Yeah, it would be a Richard <laughs> Harris thing, though. I mean, Richard Harris did... Mm. Uh, Richard Harris did uh... It seems to me the model of doing that is um, what uh, Ewan McGregor did in the Star Wars films because Alec Guinness was mm. this iconic mm. performance as Obi-Wan Kenobi and then playing him as a younger one how's he going to do this and what Ewan McGregor did was really evoke him without imitating him mm. he, you know, he, he made he, you can totally see the continuity between Ewan McGregor's and Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan Kenobi's mm. but he is his own character still and he plays it in a way that embodies in all of that. that that's not what's going on here and I don't necessarily I, I don't even think that the Harris stroke Gambon Dumbledore is iconic enough to warrant trying to imitate. Just play Jude Law. I well, know. I must say, I didn't pick up on that and I didn't have a problem with it. I, th- I thought he was lovely. I really enjoyed watching him. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, you know, that was true. I mean, I thought, I thought the actors on the whole came off very well in this, really, because I thought Ezra Miller is filmed, you know, just at his most beautiful. I've never seen him, you know, kind of look, look this beautiful, really. Uh, you know, he made an impression. Your eye was drawn uh, to him. I'm mm. um, getting really uh, 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 sick of Eric Redmayne doing this oh shucks, uh, shy uh, thing, you know. And I was thinking, actually, the person who most closely resembles him is like a young, a young Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> but, you know, Jimmy Stewart would have some bite, right? And some, mm. yeah, more passion. He would vary that performance more. Jimmy Stewart was a much greater actor. Yeah, so this is getting, I mean, it's, beca- it's becoming a kind of shtick, yeah? Mm-hmm. If you want to do an Eddie Redmayne imitation, you could now do it in, like, three moves, right? Mm. Uh, then they all kind of involve a tilt of the head and a, you know, a doleful <laughs> look. Uh, he's playing a character here, and he's playing someone who, you know, again, we've previously said, is essentially on the autistic spectrum, and at, ver- at the very least has difficulty or nervousness engaging with people socially whereas with his animals he's engaging because you know it's there's that thing of he's he's cool with the animals he loves his animals and he gets on with them he, he, he touches them and he's with them. and with people it's much more difficult and i really feel that in his character i like I, li- I do like him i do think that part of what makes eddie redmayne work for me in this is that he is so part of the ensemble mm. and were he given I mean, he is still essentially the main character, but it's very much an ensemble story. And were he given more prominence above everybody else, it would be harder to take him. Mm. As it is, he's just one of the gang, and and so I, he do, he doesn't become too much. Mm. <laughs> My favorite performance was actually the the girlfriend of um, Queenie. Queenie, I love Queenie, and I love that actress. And actually, it's a very I don't know imaginative performance, really. You know, it's very stylized, you know, with a kind of a high but soft speaking voice, right? Alison uh, Sudol plays Queenie. Yeah, I thought she was wonderful. Yes. I had a problem with Mads Mikkelsen, frankly. So the oh. reason that he's been cast as Grindelwald is because previously that role was played by Johnny Depp. Mm. And then Johnny Depp had this um, uh, civil case in mm. court. He's been accused of being a wife beater. Yeah, so, so the son, I think, um, wrote about him being a wife-beater, his wife was um, uh, Amber Heard. And he sued them unsuccessfully for defamation. He lost on appeal, and when that was all kind of finalised, it became, you you can't continue in this role. Despite the fact there is another problematic person, which is J.K. Rowling, but there's no film happening without J.K. Rowling mm. because it's her story overall. Also, she's not, you know... No, it's not... I mean, no. writers are never given that kind of prominence in a film anyway, right? Well, it, I think it's different with J.K. Rowling because it is... It is. It's her, it, she's huge. And it's her, but, the other, but I think the main difference is that um, saying you know, things that people find very unsavoury about trans people is not the same as essentially... It's, I could say in quotes, essentially, um, being found substantially guilty of being a wife beater, mm. um, and you know being, a, being being unable to defend himself against that claim in the papers. Mm. Um, that's it's kind of <laughs> physical sort of violence is is a more serious thing. That's why Mads Mikkelsen's been cast, um, and there's no attempt to say that you know always oh, changed his face or something. He's just a new actor mm. in the role, and that's fine. That works for me. The problem I had with him is that I think he's charmless in the role. Um, I, you know, I, I, just, I like Mads Mikkelsen in so many things, and the one time in this where he really made sense was when he's in that pool 
bringing that creature back to life and doing mm. kind of dark magic on it because I thought, wow, that's like it's a culty, mm. and that he made sense for me there. His kind of serious darkness made sense for me, but he what he lacks that Johnny Depp had brought before and would have brought again is is charm and charisma to mm. being the evil. You know, the well that's true of, though. I kind of. Um... I just think he's lacking, that's all. Yeah, no, I liked him. And actually, I was trying, because I, you know, I like Johnny Depp as well. But there's something both very florid and very musty about <laughs> his recent performances. And actually, because this is the film in which, you know, they really highlight the relationship with, Do- with Dumbledore. I kind of, I was glad that Johnny Depp mm. didn't do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it would have been, you know, OTT bringing a bit of Keith Richard and a bit of, like, marijuana into the role, and I thought, well, <laughs> let, let Matt do it. Well, I don't know that we had a problem with him in the previous film. No, I didn't. Even you. So, you know, I don't know that that would have been a problem necessarily, but I... Um, I, and but I don't think it's a role that can't be recast. You know, he didn't make it his own to that extent. I, th- I also think it could have been recast better. That's all. I liked Matt Mickelson, yeah. uh, and I liked the scenes at the beginning very much, actually, and even the scene at the end. Mm. Yeah, where he's kind of looking, you know, at Dumbledore as he goes into the sphere. Uh, I liked it, and I like him very much, mm. uh, Matt Mickelson. So that wasn't a problem with me. Um, there were, I mean, and again, I, I'm trying to think, is this a problem with the actors or is this a problem with the writing or the, the editorializing? Like, um, I, I didn't like, um, what's her name? The, the woman with the books. Yeah. Uh, that's Jessica Williams, yes, who I, I know from the daily show, um, from several years ago. I didn't know her as an actor really, yes. but she is in this. I thought She's, she I, I didn't. <laughs> yes, yeah, she she's she's well. I I think she has a sense of that floridness. She overdoes her accent. She again, you can see how she's trying to make that character charming and kooky. It's not working. Yeah. Uh, and these are just kind of minor things that we're picking on because you know the main problem with this film is that it's lost sight of what it's about and what the audience's <laughs> pleasure in this world and these people are, which I, again, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's the world of magic and the world of these fantastic beasts, mm. right? So that's what should have been highlighted. And we get too little of that, whilst at the same time suffering from a lack of clarity in the story, right? Kind of, you know, it's really over-egging the pudding to such an extent that you lose sight of what the main ingredients are. The storytelling is, is the biggest problem by far for me because the film doesn't assume so much knowledge on your part that it won't remind you of things that have gone before, including a long scene where Jessica Williams essentially recounts every part of Kowalski's story mm. as if to just remind the audience why he's there and what mm. he's doing. Mm. You know, it's kind of ridiculous. The one thing it doesn't ever remind you of is why you should care about any of this and what are any real stakes other than just the fate of the world, which isn't interesting enough. And like I say, with that first half of the film, um, you, you go, okay, well, they're going off to this dinner and someone's going off here and he's got captured, so he goes off to find him. And it's, apart, apart from when um, Newt goes off to save his brother, which is quite obvious why he's doing that, he's been captured. I couldn't understand why they were at that dinner. I, you know, I must have missed a line of dialogue as to what was important. Because then what actually happens at that dinner is, so Jessica Williams and Kowalski have gone there 
And Kowalski essentially seems to be acting of his own accord, threatening Mads Mikkelsen because he's got Queenie and he's let her go and mm. so on. And so what, what happens there seems to be... a Well, okay, so they say right at the start, let's have no plan or loads of plans because Grindelwald can see slightly into the future every now and again. So if we have plans, he will be able to tell what they are. So let's improvise and go crazy, which essentially is giving the seems to be giving the writers carte blanche to say it doesn't really we don't need to set anything up we don't need to give you expectations and because because then Grindelwald will know but that's just so lazy it is so lazy and so Um, what happens at that dinner is you not being told anything whatever they seem to know you don't have any idea of and like I say it just it becomes this kind of improvisation that they have to get themselves out of and it's the most insulting thing when everyone shows up back at Hogwarts and they mm. say we've achieved nothing. Mm. They literally say that. Yeah. Well, I don't. I, I didn't find that offensive because you know there could be a difference between what the characters say and what that is actually the case. Uh, and actually, it's that difference of differential knowledges between the characters that the film could have done something kind of rich and exciting with. So I think had the film clarified the through line, yeah, mm. whilst adding layers, I. You know, that maybe each character had a different perception of what was going on that we, the audience, understood, mm. right? That would have made for a much better and richer film because one of the problems with this film is how thin it is, right? That whole scene where they go into the dinner. My God, you know, I could have just added a few spins, right? <laughs> have, have, you know, that main German thug be in love with one of the other gang or just adds yeah it's very easy to set up you know those tensions right between the characters and the situation Mm. and our knowledge of that it would have been super simple to do and it would have added something the thing is that this feels like two one note throughout there's a great deal of blandness that runs throughout Uh the entire film things are done without charm throughout Mm. action scenes are set up like it does it does try to set up certain things particularly this thing about replicating the case so uh, Newt's case, where he keeps all his animals, is what they're going to use to get this special animal to this election. And this animal, even though it's not actually really been set up that this animal is going to be important for the election until a bit too late, I think. Um, they still have to smuggle this animal in because that's going to help mm. make things right. Okay, But the baddies know about this animal. They know about this case. So they replicate the case and they say, we're all going to carry a case. Which is fine. That's a great setup for smuggling a thing in. You know, we don't even know which one's the right case, and and five of these are decoys. But then it doesn't go on to make enough of that. So you know, we have this we have this scene where they are being followed. You see Gestapo on the rooftops like ninjas mm. following them. Um, the fight with the wands was yeah. so stupid. <laughs> and and it's all done without enough. Without any hint of tension or charm or and, and or surprise, I mean, you could have had like a drum roll moment after each case is open, and you realize it's not that one, or but nothing. It's just kind of really flaccid filmmaking. Super flaccid, and there, and and nothing about the election makes any sense. I mean, well, the thing that I had a real problem with the election t- takes place in Bhutan up this long set of stone steps to a temple, and why Newt is allowed to run up those steps with no one having stopped or anything, makes no sense. It's no. one of these things that's just in the Wizarding World, you could just apparently get away with whatever you want. But also, also go on. I expected that the brother of Lita Lestrange or whatever, just because of the way he looks, yeah, that, you know, the, 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 there would be some connection between him and the election being in Bhutan, right? But no, nothing. Is that the, is that the black fellow who's... The who's Indian-looking man, yeah. Is it an Indian-looking man? 
Well, I thought. Yes. Are you talking about the man who has his memory removed? Yes. Yeah, and I think he's just. I think he's sort of Afro-Caribbean, as it were. All right. Okay. I thought he was South Asian. Oh right. right. <laughs> Maybe he is. So you know, and and therefore I thought that you know there must be like some relation between mm. Bhutan and him and him having crossed over oh, right. to the dark side, so to speak. But no, I mean, if there was something, I missed it. <laughs> I had a real problem with his character because he sent in, again, he's part of Dumbledore's troop and he sent in to Grindelwald's lot as a spy. And he goes there and he announces himself as a spy and says, I've been sent here by Dumbledore to spy on you. What do you want me to do? Um, which is clearly part of the plan or lack of plan. Mm. And because Queenie can read minds, she says, yes, he's telling the truth, but also he blames you for the death of his sister and he thinks about revenge on you every single day. Yeah. And so Grindelwald puts his wand to uh, the guy's temple and removes the memory. And this thing in the Harry Potter universe, memories are these kind of long, glowing white strands. And it's, it's a... It's a I mean, you don't, I don't think you've given enough in the character to care about, but on paper, it's a sad and... It's a very sad moment, quite a beautiful, tragic moment that his every every memory of his sister is being removed from him and, by the man who killed him, and it's never replaced. It's never nothing. Come, well, nothing comes back about I know. that. Well, actually, I had two problems with that, you know, because I think you're missing an important component of that. Because if I remember correctly, what Queenie says is he really supports your cause. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, that's right. He believes in you. Yeah. So so then yeah, so he believes in you. That's right. So then, actually, what you get later is so the memory is removed, but actually, this believing in him, which yeah, <laughs> is how does that show up, right? In, well, yeah, because ultimately he betrays him. Yeah, he goes so to Dumbledore. Where did so that come from? Where, exactly. Well, unless I suppose I may, well, I'm maybe giving maybe maybe I'm meeting the film more than halfway because Queenie clearly has her doubts. You see that basically from the start because she's there also. She's sent to spy on. Um, Ezra Miller's character and she says I am doing that but I'm not telling him everything yeah. so she has her doubts from the start so maybe this is she's also lying a little bit to him but it would be good to signal that to the audience in some way right yeah. that would make everything more interesting yeah I'm having to meet the film more than halfway in, in saying that's what's happening here yeah. Uh, yeah anyway I think we've gone enough of you know this is like yeah it's just not very good it's funny after the last film I said I would be interested in seeing this one and I don't know why I said that because I wasn't that impressed with the last one no um, neither was and it's, I and it's not a story that I'm interested in keeping up the thing about Harry Potter was I did want to know what would happen in the next film you know because I'd stopped I, I got I got 200 pages into the fifth book when I was I don't was know, that the 900 page one yeah it was, it was one of the first really long ones and um, I guess I guess I must have been 15 14 15 years old maybe when it came out and 200 pages into that book, the previous four had been great. Mm. All that had happened was that a painting in a house had shouted at people. And I was like, okay, I'm not doing this. I'll give up here. But I did want to know still what would happen ultimately. I was invested in those characters, and so I kept seeing those films, despite the fact they were equally bland, really. Mm. I had a little bit more to them. They had, I think the characters, generally speaking, were more interesting. Um, this, I don't know why I'm, I, I wanted to... I was interested in seeing this. I don't know. Well, yeah. I wasn't. Well, well, at the time, I said I was. And then when you said, oh, let's go and see this, I said, oh, are you punishing me for something? Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm glad... I mean, you know, I'm glad we saw it in a way. Uh, it was definitely worth hanging up on. I like seeing the actors. You know, I just think it's a pity that, you know, even in a commercial sense, such an important property 
is being treated so cavalierly. I mean, I think it's about time that they give this thing to a, a better, more imaginative filmmaker and that they, they treat it with the respect that Marvel treats its films. Yeah, you want to hire somebody really dazzling to kind of mm. do something, attempt something dazzling with this because, you know, it can certainly offer it, right? So this is just a, a failure of, of, of skill and imagination, I think. Mm. So anyway... Um, this is a huge disappointment. Yeah, if you're expecting something. Well, we weren't expecting much, and it was still a huge disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think that's enough. Uh, thank you all very much for listening. We're eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on. Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter, and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs>